Hey, everybody. Welcome to Your Apple Update. I'm your host, John Sherrod. And this week, I'm, I'm probably going to spend most of the time, if not all of the time, talking about the Magic Keyboard for iPad. And that's something that I've discussed on the show in recent episodes and something that I've also written about on my blog over at johnsherrod.net. Um, which, by the way, uh, check out johnsherrod.net if you enjoy the podcast. You'll, you'll like what I write there because I still focus on mostly Apple, but also a little movie music – not music, movie TV talk – um, and, uh, and I publish, uh, usually about four times a week over there, sometimes more. So go check out johnsherrod.net. But, um, I am someone who has been a Mac user for 20 years, actually 20 years this month, um, is, uh, the anniversary of when I got my first Mac in June, 2000. And so I want to talk about that, uh, in a future episode, just looking back on what it has meant to me, um, being, you know, having been associated with Apple products and Apple, the company, uh, over the span of the last 20 years, what that's meant for me personally and what that's meant for me professionally is I've built a career around, uh, Apple products, which has been fantastic. Um, but right now I want to talk about the iPad. So as I said, I've been somebody who's, who's, you know, been a Mac user for 20 years, but, um, it's so funny. I still very much remember um, the introduction of the very first iPad 10 years ago by Steve Jobs. A buddy of mine who worked with me at Apple at the time uh, came over to my house and we, we sat in front of my iMac and watched the, uh, I don't even think it was live streamed. I think we were, maybe it was, I don't remember. Or maybe we were watching um, like the life, the life uh, bloggers from that, you know, that some of the companies like uh, Engadget and Mac rumors and, and, you know, companies like that were doing. Um, but regardless, uh, following that closely because there'd been so many rumors, uh, for the preceding several weeks leading up to the announcement of that product. And it's one of those things where sometimes you, you can tell when Apple's about to do something because there's just so much talk about it, um, in the press and even in mainstream press for weeks leading up to the announcement. But, um, but have been just absolutely thrilled with the iPad ever since I got that first generation iPad. Um, have used several iPads uh, in the decades since then. We're now 10 years out. And, um, you know, the iPad has been an interesting thing over that time uh, because, I, you know, I, I always shy away from, you know, trying to say, well, this would have happened or this wouldn't have happened if Steve had still been with us. You know, Steve Jobs died in 2011. So um, he died before the iPad got too far in its life. I think the iPad 2 uh, keynote was either his last keynote or one of his last keynotes that, uh, that he ever gave before he passed away. Um, so none of us know what Apple as a company would be like today if Steve Jobs were still alive and healthy and running the company. So anybody who says, well, this would have happened or this wouldn't have happened if Steve Jobs were here, um, it's just talking. Um, but I, I certainly wonder what the, the first decade of the iPad would have been like if Steve were you know, had been with us that whole time and, and still been uh, at the head of Apple. Um, it, uh, it's something where I feel like Apple's attention has uh, waxed and waned with regard to the iPad over the years. Apple's definitely a company that um, sometimes has difficulty focusing on multiple product lines at once and really giving them all their attention. Um, and I think there have been times where Apple's had a lot of focus on the iPad, uh, certainly toward the beginning of the iPad's life cycle, that was the case. And then I feel like there was kind of an intermediary period where their focus shifted to other things. Um, and now in the last several years, they've had a lot more attention uh, focused on the iPad in terms of um, uh, new accessories. Uh, you know, Apple's line of keyboard cases that they introduced uh, several years ago. Um, 
uh, and certainly in the last three years in particular, a big focus on improving uh, the software and, and, and including really, really calling it iPad OS. It used to be just, just the iPad version of iOS previously, but actually really calling it iPad OS, separating it out from both iOS and the Mac in that way, um, it was really a sign that they were putting a lot of focus onto the software side of it. Um, and so here we are now, it's 2020, um, and earlier this year, Apple introduced the Magic Keyboard, and they also brought full trackpad and mouse support to iPadOS. And um, that has been really interesting to see, um, and it's now been interesting to experience uh, mouse support, because I've been using um, a, a mouse with my iPad really since that uh, software update came that allowed that to happen. Um, and I'm someone who, uh, even though, again, I've been on the Mac for 20 years and the last several years have really uh, focused more and more of my attention and my use, uh, my computing use um, into my iPad uh, to the point where uh, here at home, of course, I use my iPhone throughout the day. I use my Apple TV here at home for entertainment needs. And I use my iPad and my iPad Pro has really become my main computing device. We have a Mac in the house. We have a um, a Mac Pro that's sitting over at the desk, a desktop Mac, and uh, and I just almost never fire that thing up anymore. I really spend almost all my time on the iPad. Um, and at work, uh, I work in IT um, as an Apple Workstation engineer, and of course, uh, most of that revolves around the Mac. But uh, more and more of what I do, I do on the iPad Pro, actually. And I split my time back and forth between the Mac, probably 60-40 iPad, if I had to kind of pin it down. It probably varies from day to day, but... Um, that would be about accurate, I feel like. And um, for the last uh, few years, I've been using, um, you know, Apple's smart keyboard and smart keyboard folio keyboard cases for the 10 and a half inch iPad Pro. And then uh, now the uh, uh, the 12.9 um, uh, inch iPad Pro that I'm using now and uh, have just uh, in the last week uh, gotten my hands on the magic keyboard and have been really kind of putting it through its paces. And and I love the thing. And I think, first of all, we, we probably want to talk about, you know, why do you need a, a trackpad on an iPad? Um, and uh, the answer to that question is most iPad users don't. It really depends on what you're using your iPad for. You know, when Apple introduced the very first iPad in that keynote, Steve Jobs talked about how, you know, we have the, the Mac laptop. And that's a great computing product. It's really kind of just refined and perfected what a computer is in the traditional sense. And then we've got the iPhone. Apple was one of the revolutionary players in the smartphone market. And when the iPhone hit, it changed the industry. Um, but there's kind of a space in between there, like a space for a product in between there um, that, that's not a full Mac and all that that entails, you know, full desktop operating system, you know, full big, uh, you know, computer that you sit on your lap or on a desk. So you've got that, you, you know, maybe maybe you don't need that, and but you need something more capable than an iPhone, something with a larger display in particular. And the iPad was introduced to kind of slot in there. And uh, and then Steve Jobs later was interviewed about it, and he kind of made that cars versus trucks analogy where, you know, he felt like, um, you know, the iPad was kind of going to become the car, the family sedan of the computer life where you're going to use it for most of the tasks that you do. But there's going to be times where you need to pull out that pickup truck. We need to haul some stuff to the dump or perform, you know, perform a task that only a truck can do, tow something. There are times when you need a truck, and that was kind of what the Mac was going to represent, uh, was going to be the truck in that analogy. And, um, you know, sometimes people forget, but uh, that very first iPad, Apple brought the full iWork productivity suite, pages, numbers, and keynote over to the iPad. 
and they even sold a, a keyboard dock accessory. I don't think they sold many of them um, because I think most people weren't ready for the, the iPad to kind of to fill that much of their computing space, but they, they sold a, a dock that was basically the magic keyboard. Um, I, don't, I don't think they use that term then, but the Apple Bluetooth keyboard design with a 30 pin dock connector that you could set the iPad in vertically so that you could type in. And uh, so they were thinking along those lines. I think it's pretty clear that Steve Jobs saw it as the future of computing um, even back then. And um, I think it still has the potential to be that. Um, 10 years in, um, I don't know that it's fully embraced that yet. And, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'll probably talk more about that and write more about that in the future. But for now, Magic Keyboard. So if you need a trackpad, you're somebody who is already using the iPad a lot in what we might call laptop mode, where if you've used particularly Apple Smart Keyboard Folio or a similar third-party case um, that props the iPad uh, Pro up in landscape mode, propped up like a laptop screen would be with your full keyboard there. So if you spend a lot of time throughout the day, particularly for work, um, using an iPad that way, uh, that's someone for whom the uh, Magic Keyboard and with the trackpad is very suitable. Um, and you know, Steve Jobs really talked about this years ago when people were questioning whether or not um, they would, you know, bring um, multi-touch, the multi-touch screen to the Mac line. And Apple was pretty clear about that. And I actually pulled up the quote from Steve Jobs. He says, we've done tons of user testing on this, and it turns out it doesn't work. Touch surfaces don't want to be vertical. He says, it gives a great demo, but after a short period of time, you start to fatigue. And after an extended period of time, your arm wants to fall off. It doesn't work. It's ergonomically terrible. Touch surfaces want to be horizontal, hence pads. And he continues, for a notebook, that's why we've perfected our multi-touch trackpads over the years, because that's the best way we've found to get multi-touch into a notebook. We've also, in essence, put a trackpad, a multi-touch trackpad, on the mouse with our Magic Mouse. And we've recently come out with a pure play trackpad as well for our desktop users. So this is how we're going to use multi-touch on our Mac products, because this, and he pointed to something, someone touching a laptop screen in a picture, doesn't work. So, and that was from, you know, again, over a decade ago now. And uh, Apple has really abided by that philosophy. They've never introduced a Mac with a multi-touch display. Um, they have, of course, uh, again, I think they changed the way people and computer companies think about trackpads with that multi-touch trackpad that they introduced all those years ago. And uh, so that's how you do multi-touch on a Mac. You can do pinch to zoom. You can do multi-finger gestures. Um Switch, you know, switch back and forth between apps, um, all sorts of things with the multi-touch trackpad. And um, so the same thing applies to an iPad. Of course, an iPad is a touch-first operating system. It's designed to be touched with your fingers as the primary interaction method. Um, so that's, that's still the case for the vast majority of iPad users. But again, if you're somebody who uses your iPad a lot in laptop mode, uh, a, the trackpad is phenomenal, or a mouse, the external Bluetooth mouse, because... Um, again, you don't have to worry about that strain from reaching out with your hand and fighting against gravity, reaching up to touch the display. You just rest your hand on the, on the desk and use the trackpad just like you would on a laptop. And so that's been great. And the way that Apple did it, because it was, I was really skeptical, uh, that they would do it in a way that made sense for the iPad, but they really found a way. They took a thoughtful approach to, um, looking at how a trackpad is going to work on an iOS device, which is again, touch focus. And they borrowed some cues from the Apple TV remote, the much maligned Apple TV remote. But of course, the Apple TV remote has a built-in trackpad on it. 
And so when you're navigating the interface and you swipe over it, there's kind of a magnetic pull toward the things that are highlighted on the screen. And, uh, and, and it kind of, it kind of blobs around the thing that's highlighted so that you can tell that it's highlighted. And Apple has done something very similar with icons and buttons and other things like that and on the iPad display. And uh, it, it takes a little getting used to, but once you start getting used to it, it, it really makes a ton of sense for what the iPad is and the way that it's used. Um, and it's one of those things you kind of have to experience to, to really get. So that's why there's a trackpad. This thing is called the Magic Keyboard. Um, and they've used that magic keyboard term with the new keyboards in the new MacBook Pros with the redesigned scissor switch keys. And they've used that term with the external Apple keyboard for years. And so this, uh, this new keyboard case for the iPad Pro, they also brought the magic keyboard moniker to it. But of course, that trackpad is one of the biggest things about it. And that was, you know, one thing that um, I wasn't necessarily expecting because, I mean, I, of course, I've used trackpads for years. Uh, my first Apple uh, computer was, was an iBook. Um, and I've used, you know, it worked my Mac as a MacBook Pro. So I'm very familiar with trackpads, but, you know, I was raised in the 80s and 90s. And, uh, and so I, you know, I grew up using a mouse. And so I've always felt more comfortable with a mouse than with a trackpad. Um, and of course, I've been using the, the mouse for weeks with the uh, iPad since they introduced the, the mouse and trackpad support. But one of the things I didn't expect when I got the Magic Keyboard case for the iPad was that um, the trackpad just feels a lot more natural to the iPad OS, you know, mouse pointer experience. And I think it's clear that they uh, introduced these products, they, they designed these products in tandem and they work extremely well together. Uh, so the trackpad's great. It's smaller, much smaller than the trackpad on a MacBook Pro, but you know, that, that trackpad on the MacBook Pro has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. So the trackpad on the Magic Keyboard is perfectly fine. I don't find myself bumping into the edge of it or anything like that, and it's really not anything different uh, than what we would have experienced on a MacBook Pro, you know, a few years ago even. Um, and then there's the keys. Of course, it brings, it adopts the the new, you know, Apple's return to the scissor switch mechanism key keyboard. Um, and, you know, and it was one of those things too, where this was, this was something that I had to experience to know what I would think about it because, um, you know, everyone has their opinions about keyboards. Uh, people, sometimes people get very, very particular and opinionated about keyboards. So, um, your mileage may vary, but I really enjoyed the keys on the smart keyboard folio going so far as to say it was my favorite keyboard that Apple ever made. Um, I don't know. There was just something about the way that key felt with that fabric like material over it, that rubber silicone type material over the keys. Um, that just, I found it a really pleasing, uh, key experience. And of course it also kept debris out and that sort of thing. So, whereas on the magic keyboard, it's more of a traditional laptop type keyboard. It uses the scissor switch keys. It's got a backlight, which is awesome. There's been times where, you know, I've been sitting in my kid's room in the dark, trying to help them get to sleep and, you know, settle down. And, um, and on the, you know, on the old smart keyboard folio, I'd be kind of stabbing in the dark, uh, not able to see the, the keys. And so having a backlit keyboard, uh, is, is pretty phenomenal. Um, the, you know, the, probably the biggest complaint that people have had with the backlight is that you, uh, you can't see, um, uh, there's, there's, you know, not a, a quick way to, to change the brightness. You have to kind of go into the settings to do it. There's not a keyboard shortcut currently or a dedicated key, or you know, of course you can go up to, you, know, you can't go up to control center to do it, which would be the obvious place. I would think they could add, uh, something like that. So, Interesting to see how they handle that going forward, but the keys feel great. They're full-size keys. 
you don't have a, a function, you don't have a touch bar, obviously, like you do in a MacBook Pro, you don't have a row of function keys. And I think in part that's because there probably just isn't room for them without really compromising the design and going to a much smaller uh, key type. It's got the inverted T arrow key, so they've dispensed with the, the non-inverted key design, uh, inverted T design that they had for a long time. There's no hardware escape key, although you can map a key to that in settings if you want to. So it would definitely have been nice to have an escape key, um, not absolutely necessary, but would have been nice to have, but that's not there. Um, and then, of course, the design of the of the thing itself. You know, the the iPad Pro has a ton of magnets built into it, and the Magic Keyboard does as well. And it just you just kind of slide the iPad up into the right place, just hold it in place, and it just it just snaps right in like it wants to be there. Um, and the bottom third or so of the iPad is not touching anything, and so it it gives you this design that looks a lot like uh, the iMac, where the iMac you know is is kind of on a foot that extends out, and the the iMac is kind of floating above that and you can tilt it up and down. And that's, that's really the, the way that this looks in the new magic keyboard for the iPad. And you can, you have a lot more freedom to tilt it than you did with the smart keyboard folio, because in that you just had two positions. There was, um, you know, something close to 90 degrees, not quite. And then there was something at more of an angle. Um, and that was it. Whereas with this, you can, you do have much wider range. You can, you can tilt it, uh, in a lot more uh, degrees of rotation, I guess. It would be nice if it could tilt back a little bit further. Um, that's not absolutely necessary. It's not killing me where it is, but it, that would be the only uh, thing I can think of that could improve it if it could tilt back a little bit more. Um, and then you've got uh, this barrel on the spine of the Magic Keyboard case. And over on the left side of that spine is a USB-C port. It would have been nice if they had one on both sides, but I wonder if they were constrained with power because all this is, is it's a power pass-through. Uh, so you can't plug in an accessory like a flash drive into the Magic Keyboard's USB-C port. It's only there to, to pass power um, from the, the charging brick into the Magic Keyboard and then into the iPad via the smart connector. And uh, that works really well. And that's really nice for two reasons. One, uh, with the smart keyboard folio, you had to plug the power just into the, the iPad's built-in USB-C port on the side. And that's kind of that was always kind of an awkward thing because it's halfway up the side of the iPad, so it just kind of looked awkward hanging off the side like that. Whereas this puts it like flush at desk level and, and kind of behind the display, so it's kind of out of sight. Uh, so just aesthetically and visually, um, it looks a lot, um, a lot less awkward and a lot more natural, like it should be. Um, and that also frees up the USB-C port on the side of the iPad so that you can plug in a USB-C accessory like a flash drive or Apple's multi-port adapter so that you can plug in a USB-A device um, and or an HDMI cable. Um, that's a that's a really nice, it's really nice to be able to have that and still, you know, have that power pass through there without having to, you know, have an accessory that has power pass through on it. Like a flash drive, obviously, if you're working for a long period of time with a flash drive, um, you know, not having to worry about your iPad running out of power is a nice thing. So uh, that's it in a nutshell. It's uh, it's heavy um, and it's thick. So it, it when you when you close the lid, it's about as thick as a MacBook Pro, and it's about as heavy as a 13-inch MacBook Pro. So so it is a little odd to think that in this configuration, an iPad Pro is heavier than a MacBook Air. But if you, I think the way to think about this whole thing is again, this is for somebody who is using their iPad Pro as a laptop for much of the day. Um, and so if you think about it that way, it, it makes a lot more sense. Um, and then there's the price. That's the other thing that has gotten a lot of attention because 
the Magic Keyboard is $299 for the 11-inch iPad Pro or $349 for the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. And that is a lot of money. Um, and it's, it's a lot of money for a keyboard. But I think that's not the way to look at it. Um, this is this is basically like um, buying an iPad laptop experience. So if you think about it that way, the price makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, this is basically a docking station that allows you to dock your iPad with it to make your iPad into a laptop, essentially. Um, and so in that light, again, I think that the whole price of the iPad Pro plus the Magic Keyboard makes a lot more sense when you're comparing it more directly with a Mac laptop. Um, I had written a few weeks ago, one of my favorite things about the way they designed this was that it's really easy to pop the iPad off. You know, the, you never feel like it's going to slide off. Those magnets hold it in really good. But it's but it's very easy to pop it out and release the magnetic hold and and then you've and, and the cool thing is that the the magic keyboard case because it's all metal with hinges it's it stays up in the configuration that you leave it it doesn't kind of flop over um, it's it's rigid on its own um, and so but you can you can pop the iPad off really easily and put it back into tablet mode and I think there's pros and cons to that if you're coming from the smart keyboard folio because that one you just kind of you just kind of opened it and folded it back, folded the keyboard part back behind the iPad so that you were holding the whole thing, um, but still in tablet mode. And the nice thing about that is that you didn't have to set your magic keyboard somewhere. Uh, you didn't have to, you know, you know, whereas with this you do, if you take it off on the iPad, you know, the magic keyboard's got to go somewhere. It might just be on your desk at work, um, but that's one thing. But it's really nice to be able to just interact with the iPad in tablet mode as a tablet. Um, in a way that was, it, you know, it was not trivial to take it out and put it back in the old smart keyboard folio case, which you can still buy um, at a lesser price than the Magic Keyboard. Um, but now you can, and that's something that I really do like about it. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what people think about this. This is something, you know, I've kind of said that, you know, right now I should go to work for a company. Um, depending on the company, you may, you may get to choose whether you have a Windows PC or a MacBook Pro. Um, and I, I can see a time coming in the future where people are, are going to choose, you know, some amount of, of people coming into a company are going to choose an iPad pro with a magic keyboard instead. Um, you know, I think there's absolutely for a long time to come, at least maybe always going to be a lot of customers who prefer a traditional laptop form factor, but there's going to be a lot of people I think who are going to find this really appealing and, uh, are going to use this instead. I'll be really curious to see if this is the kind of thing that we start to see um, people buying to go off to college with, for example. Um, and if that's the case, that would that would certainly be the way that we see these things make their way into the enterprise because that was a big way over the last 20 years that the Mac has become uh, big in the enterprise is because people went to college and had a MacBook or an iBook at college. And then when they, they went to went to work for a company afterward, they, they wanted to have that same computer. Um, so it'll be, that'll, that would certainly be one way that we'll see these, uh, uh, you know, get into the corporate market in a big way. So I, I really think it's going to happen. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see when and what that looks like. But maybe maybe over the next five years, maybe five years from now, we'll start to see uh, that kind of thing being a reality. And we'll see, you know, iPads in the mix alongside of Windows laptops and MacBook Pros and that sort of thing. So it's going to be it's going to be kind of interesting to see. I guess the other thing that I'll talk about real quick before I wrap up is that. Um, of course, uh, 2020 has been, a, to say the least, a strange year, difficult in many ways, um, in no small part because of uh, COVID-19. 
and uh, and the the way that you know government, state, and local and federal governments have reacted to it, and the fact that many people have been working from home for a long time, and one of the consequences of that is that Apple's retail stores all across the country and in many places around the world have been closed for the last uh, several weeks, you know, going back to March. And it's really just in the last uh, two weeks, and in the last week in particular, that Apple has begun reopening many of those stores um, uh, across the country. Uh, this, this over the last uh, since uh, kind of the middle of last week, they've opened uh, somewhere around 100, 120 or so locations around the U.S. But if you need to go to the Apple Store, it's going to be a different experience. You might be used you might be used to just hopping in your car and driving to the mall and going to the Apple Store to pick something up. And you're going to want to kind of know what to expect. Right now, they are requiring that every customer have a mask. Um, they will provide you with one if you don't have one, but it's probably best to bring your own if you have one, uh, so that when you arrive, that's out of the way. They're also going to be doing temperature checks. So I actually went to pick up the Magic Keyboard at uh, my local Apple store last Friday, and I, I knew ahead of time what the, the rules were, so I had my mask with me, put it on before I got to the store. They actually had a contracted security firm where the those employees were actually doing the temperature screenings and kind of staging people in line. So he used one of those little um, distance things that can take your temperature from a distance, just kind of shined it in my face, and then told me where to stand with you know the uh, six feet of distance between the next person. Um, and then uh, it didn't take long though. Uh, pretty quickly, Apple employee got to me. She was uh, you know like I'm, I'm assuming she was smiling. She was wearing a mask, but she was you know very friendly and you know knew exactly what to do when, when I told her what I was there for. She went and got my product and brought it out to me. So I never even entered the store. So I think in as, in as many cases they can help it, they're not even having people come into the store. They're just kind of serving them in line out front. And uh, so, you know, if you have, if you need technical support, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, first of all, know that you can always uh, contact Apple through their live chat support and they may be able to resolve your problem that way. But if you do need to go to the Apple store for in-person technical support, uh, make an appointment ahead of time. That's always the recommended way to go, but especially right now, uh, make that appointment ahead of time so that you have a specific time when you arrive to get support. Um, also, remember that you can order products online and have them shipped to your house, but if you need to pick up something at the Apple Store, the best way to do it is to use uh, Apple Store app on your iPhone or iPad. Uh, place that order ahead of time and schedule an in-store pickup so that when you go, you can just tell them what you're there for in your name and they can go get it and bring it out to you kind of like I did. So uh, those would be my, my recommendations if you need to go to the Apple store soon. Um, also, you know, your local store might not be one of the ones that's open yet. So go to apple.com slash retail and uh, check and see. And that way you can know before you, you know, spend, you know, however, however long it takes to get to your Apple store. Some people have them very close by. Some people have to drive 30 minutes to an hour or more to get to one. So you definitely don't want to invest that time if the store is not open. So check that out for sure. Well, that's been this episode of your Apple Update. Um, hit me up on Twitter at JWSherrod, S-H-E-R-R-O-D. I'd love to know what you think about the Magic Keyboard, if you've used one or if you have one, or you know, if you have any questions, I'd be glad to try to answer those there for sure. And if you've made it all the way to the end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that you enjoy the show. So if you go to yourappleupdate.com, uh, you can actually become a supporting member. Uh, you can actually use Apple Pay. Um, to do a, a monthly payment to just kind of tip the show and support the show. And, and, and that means a lot to, to what I'm doing here. And um, you can do that in increments of 99 cents, 499 or 999. Uh, again, right there on the website, super easy with Apple pay. That's it for this week's episode of your Apple update. We'll see you next time.